Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Hi there, and welcome to episode 159 of Martha Runs the World. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a wonderful guest today. I know you are going to appreciate him and learn a lot as I have today. Runners, we are usually pretty goal-oriented people. We have races we sign up for. We have distances we need to be able to run and finish. So goals are pretty important and they're specific for us, usually, unless you just like to go out and run. and. There are those people. Yes, I know they exist. I am not one of them. I have to have goals. I have to be able to have something written down or at least set that I know what I, what I want to do before I am motivated enough to go do it. I can't just go do it just for the fun of it. But Glenn Daniels is a motivational speaker. He has a few TED Talks and he is a goal specialist. I would say he's a, an expert at goal setting. He has a Pulitzer Prize nominated book about goals and he's going to talk to us today about how we can set more specific goals so we can actually succeed in those goals. I mean, it's one thing to set a goal and say, okay, we're going to do this. And it's another thing to actually reach that goal. So he's going to help us do that. And let's hear my interview with him right now. Will you welcome to the program, Glenn Daniels. He's a Pulitzer Prize nominated author. He's a coach and online publisher. Um, hi, Glenn. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. I know it may not be morning, but that's just my habit. Good morning. So it's morning someplace, right? (laughs) It sure is. That's right. Absolutely. You know, it is the beginning of the year. And this is the time where people set goals for themselves for the year. So why do people keep setting goals that they usually wind up not fulfilling? Because they set them for the year. Mm -hmm. And most of the goals they set are doing goals and having goals. And those type of goals, they don't have any real substance to push you through things. I want to do the upcoming marathon. I want to run a 10K in under one hour. You want to do those things and you want to have those things and those don't those are not real. As real as it could be. And additionally we don't set the daily goal. I think I just wrote a piece just a couple of days ago that said, you know what? Here's here's your New Year's resolution. In the morning get up and say yes to yourself. Yes to what you want to get accomplished today. Tomorrow morning, get up and say yes. The next day, get up and say yes. That should be your New, Year, your New Year's resolution. I'm going to do what a marathon runner does. I'm going to be a marathon runner. I love that. That affirmation first thing in the morning, that is brilliant. Yeah, and just one word, yes. Once you yeah. kind of get used to it, it's just one word, yes. Yeah, and and it's not difficult. It's an easy thing to do. Just say yes when you get up. Yeah, before your feet or as your feet are hitting the floor, just say yes. Excellent. I'm going to start doing that. Thank you. Is it because of New Year? It, it, New Year's Eve seems to be, is it more than just a date or is it just something we've gotten used to? Well, it's more than a date and it's also something we've gotten used to. Whenever you get a clean start. And so it feels like on December 31st to January 1st, January 1st equals a clean start. It just represents a clean start. Just like most of us will start a goal on a Sunday because it represents a clean start for the week. 
So we get the feeling that that's a clean start, a clean break. Last year's over with. Let's start all over new this, this year, or let's start all over new this week, Sunday or Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you work with a lot of corporate businesses and you work with a lot of nonprofits and things, and you do a lot of work helping them set their goals. What's the most usual problems that you see with these groups? Most of these groups have decided that the smart goal setting process, you know, let's have a, a specific, a measurable, achievable, a reachable in a time type of goal is a powerful goal. It is a weak goal. It's okay. a goal that people, you shouldn't be setting. Use that smart goal setting for your accountability. Okay. You want to be accountable to somebody, use that for that. That's not how you should be setting goals. It's a super weak goal. Okay. Because anytime you can lay out a smart goal, what you're in essence saying is, I already know how to achieve that goal. What is smart? I, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Well, a lot of, um, especially in corporate America, they teach people to sit down and say, okay, what is smart? I want to be very set of very specific goals. So they may say, okay, I want to make $2,232,000 by, you know, well, by, you know, by this date puts a timeline on it. But they just say, okay, very specific. You just can't say, I want to be rich. You got to have a very specific number. You just can't say, I want to run a marathon. You got to have a very specific number to say, I want to run a marathon in two hours and 59 minutes or three hours and 59 minutes. In my case, within the 24 hours. <laughs> so, but you have to be able to set. They want you to give it a very specific goal. Okay. M means it must be something that needs to be measured. So that's where that time kind of comes in. Okay. I must be able to finish this in order for my, achieve my goal in this measured amount of time or this measurement. Mm-hmm. So um, if you take it like on a corporate level, you might say, okay, I want my team to be number one uh, in sales. Okay, very specific, but you got to give a measurement to it. So I want my team to be number one in sales by the end of the first quarter. Give a little bit of, well, that's, I'm sorry, by the end of the first quarter is something else, but I want my team to be number one in sales measure. Okay. okay. Specifically, you would say, I want my team to be 5% better than what they last year. A, it must be something that's achievable. In other words, everybody has to agree that this is something that your team and you can do. They want you to avoid setting goals that uh, really don't feel achievable to you. They have to feel achievable to you. And same thing holds for realistic. I always tell in corporate America, say, think of it this way. Achievable fits you. Realistic fits the team. What can you do and what can the team do? And if you're setting smart goals, they want those to balance out. So you can do it and your team can do it. And then T, like I said, is just, okay, there's a time. I want to have it done by the end of the first quarter, or I want to have it done by setting such a time. That's a smart goal, S-M-A-R-T. But I always ask people, and I'll ask you, Martha, mm-hmm. who can tell you what is achievable for you? Only myself. Wrong. Oh. I think the reason why I said it's wrong is because you can't tell yourself what's achievable for you. Okay. You don't know what you're cap- capable of. True. That's true. Okay. So how are you going to write down what's achievable for you? How are you going to write down what's realistic for you and your team when you don't know what you're achievable, what you're capable of and you don't know what they're capable of? Hmm. That's a good, that's a good question. Really? I, I guess you would need a trainer or something for that. Then. Well, you would need a trainer, but they don't know what you're capable of doing. Hmm. They don't know if they, if you get up every morning and say yes, 
make sure you're feeding your body right. Make sure you get enough sleep right. And every morning you're dedicated to going out and covering the miles because that's what a marathoner does. They run mm-hmm. no matter what the weather is. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a marathoner, you run. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're going to be successful, you do what that successful person does. You're being that person. Mm-hmm. Okay. You eat properly. You hydrate properly. You do everything properly. Just because you can't do what you want to do right now, that doesn't mean that you can stop being a marathoner. So if you are going to, if you, someone's going to tell you, well, you can probably get your time down to under three hours. Well, maybe you can get your time down to under uh, two hours and 45 minutes. They don't know it until you actually perform it. And you will more than likely, if you take every day and stay with who you're supposed to be every day, you will far exceed what you thought you could do. If you stop looking at, okay, six months from now, I'm going to be here. Well, no, look at what am I going to do today to be who I should be today. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Back in 1961, John F. Kennedy stood in front of the country and said, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Oftentimes, if you think about it, that was not a smart goal. Smart goals line up to say, I know what I'm going to do. I already know how to achieve it. And here's a timeline for that to happen. Safe goal. But to say we're going to put a man on the moon when we did not have the money to do it. We certainly did not have the technology to do it. And a lot of people don't realize that over 50% of the country was opposed to us putting man on the moon. Mm-hmm. So that's a waste of money. That's true. But, but by doing this goal, it wasn't a smart goal at all. We're the type of country who sets a goal because it's worthy of our efforts. Yeah, we did it. You know, we did it. Yeah. And think of it now that computer that you have in your hand that, that you call people your iPhone is every bit as powerful as the computers that put the man on the moon. That is true. Where do we go? <laughs> so if he hadn't set that, where would we be as a as a world? Wow. That's amazing. It really is it really is amazing how fast and technology <laughs> has gone in such a short time. And I hate to say this, but I was reading a report oh, about six months ago. We are growing now at the same rate. What took what took us fifty years to accomplish as a as a humanity takes us less than two years now. Our learning mm. curve, and the more we learn, the faster that curve goes away. Mm. So that is crazy. What I'm saying to you is, if we're learning that fast, how do you know what you can achieve? You don't. Yeah, yeah, and you just you really don't. You don't. Because yeah. what's coming out next? I mean, this AI thing. No, that's a this that's like a one one month old baby right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You don't know. So, all right. Okay, boy, you just <laughs> threw, threw threw me a loop here. Um, now let's get to, to your book, the the book, the science of goal setting. What drove you to write that book? You know, I think what drove me to write that book is I was actually listening. I got involved with uh, what happened to President Kennedy. And as we have a book here in my house that's been here forever. We were actually in Dallas just a couple of days after he got killed. We were there when Oswald got killed in downtown Dallas. Um, and then all of a sudden that history started coming back up to me. And then I heard that speech just looking through it. I said, that man did not set a safe goal. 
then I started looking at some of the other leaders and said, no, Martin Luther King did not set a safe goal. Right. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi did not set a safe goal. People who are making a difference in the world are not setting safe goals. They're not setting smart goals. Yes, they may have an accountability partners that help them set that framework to be accountable to them about something. But they're not setting smart goals. They're saying, this is what we're going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and because I'm going to be the president of the United States, or because I'm going to be the person that sets up a legacy the last 100 years. Okay. So once I started reading and kind of getting involved in that and looking at Thomas Troudward's work and some of the other people, Napoleon Hill, I started realizing, you know what, let me just write this for myself. And then I wrote it and started putting it together and ran into an editor who said, hey, you know, let me edit this book for you. I really like it. And then it got passed around the office a little bit. Hey, we're going to put you up for the Pulitzer. Wow. Said, okay. That's amazing. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. really brilliant. Congratulations for that. Is that how you started your journey in goal setting? Or is it something that you thought about for a while? It's something that I thought for a while. It was nothing that I had written down until I wrote that. Mm-hmm. But it's something I felt for a while. I felt like I was kind of cheating myself. You know, um, that I was taking a hard way about things. You know, it's just simply as if every morning I get up and I realize, okay, I'm going to be an author. I can finish that book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a thought leader. Then I know I got to sit down and read stuff because thought leaders just don't go off what they're in their own heads. They read. Yeah. Uh, and they learn from other people and they talk to other people. And so I just said, you know, that's just something just inside of me said that. Now, I know when I was growing up, it was always like, I'm going to be a storyteller. I can tell great stories. And I could. But that wasn't something that was a goal. It was just something that I was. When I was thinking about goals, I know there are two types of people. There are people that who just naturally set goals. I mean, I'm a goal-oriented person. If I don't have a goal, I don't do it. And then there are other people who just hate goals and don't want to ever have a goal and just do something because they just want to do it. I like the idea of, of thinking about a different way to set a goal, a different way to look at it, because I just, I like goals, but I don't mind looking at a different way. But I think people who don't, who shy away from ever having a goal, I don't know if they can ever be attracted to looking at it a different way if they don't want to ever. Well, the you challenge know. with that is that people, they think it's got to be all one way or the other way. Yeah. I mean, if you sit down with a meditation guru and sit down with the next one and sit down with the next one, you're going to get four or five different opinions on how to meditate. Yeah, that's true. I don't think that you can say that. Okay, you like to set goals. Well, I would suggest, if I was going to work with you, I'd say, hey, what do you want to be first? And then once you decide what you want to be, then you can decide what you want to do and have. But you know that the B is a driving force to you doing and having. And then you're the type of person who needs to put that accountability piece in. Yeah. So that person, you can go to somebody and say, hey, I'm doing this. And here's my accountability piece for it. Can you hold me accountable for it? For some people, it's enough just to say, I'm going to be this. But for a lot of people, the way we're trained, you got to be, you got to do and have these things to be these things. But I'm saying be first. Right down the do and the half. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? 
And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. That makes a lot of sense because then you have that little dot in the future that you can work towards. It's like this line towards it that gives you meaning. Yes, it gives you meaning, it gives you purpose, and it also releases some of the uh, constraints upon you. Absolutely. Now, those of us that do have goals, sometimes we get too obsessed with that goal. Like in running, it can lead to injury or poor health disconnection with one's family how does one stop being so obsessive with one's goal well here we go it sounds like a broken record but you got to be that marathon runner first mm-hmm. you got to be that marathon runner first that marathon runner when they're fully training mm-hmm. they know rest is as important as a race as a workout so mm-hmm. they know that then also know that um because you're going to be a good husband or wife you also know you got to connect with them what are you going to be? If you're going to be a great marathon runner, be that. And think about, if I was, now I can't use Frank Shorter, who I knew back in the day. That gentleman was not really a good example for what I'm saying. I mean, he'd run himself into injury after injury mm-hmm. after injury. But then there was a Mary Decker Slaney who did the same thing, injury after injury after injury. Because they said, what I have to do, I have to run this many miles. This is what I have to do. Instead of saying, okay, what I have to be is a a well-conditioned marathon athlete and checking in and listening to what their body says. Okay. If you start checking in and listening to what your body and your heart says, then you're going to go ahead and balance that out a little bit more. With that said, though, you're still going to train because a marathon runner, if you're going to be someone who runs the marathon, you're going to train. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I had a friend who did the marathon and he would always say, I never said how far I'm going to run that day until after I finished my first four miles. I know how many miles I want to get done for the week, but I got to make sure that my mind is not telling me to stop. And, you know, of course they'll tell you to stop early. So you don't feel like it. You just got to bed your tired, but still never decided how far I was going to run until I finished four miles. And then I would decide, okay, well, you know, you did that pretty quickly. I'm not still not feeling great. I probably need a little bit more rest. That is really smart. That is, that is so smart. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. That's perfect. Yeah. But I said that, that is just so smart. He learned to listen to his, not only his mind, but listen to his body. If, if, if he had some kind of nagging pre-injury to stop before it got worse. Exactly. Exactly. And he came upon that just by saying the successful marathon runners who run and come from um, different areas. They don't ever, does a coach who's talking about his, he does not let his people go more than two miles without checking in with him. Because there's other exercises they could do to replace that running. Then they could hop in the swimming pool or, and his whole thing also was to take rest. Yeah. Rest yeah. is, is, is so under, it, it's so underrated in, in running. I, I keep trying to tell my runner friends that rest is really important and they, I don't know. They don't listen, but you know, I'm a broken record when it comes to that. Well, we've grown up in a society that says you got to try and try hard, 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 hard. 
like we can control the universe. Mm -hmm. We really can't control the universe. And by trying hard, all we're going to do is end up hurting ourselves. But if we pay attention to who we are, that makes a difference, I think. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I I watched a TED Talk that you did. It was really very good. I loved that. Um, It was nice to see, uh, to watch that. You were talking about goals and setting goals and things like that. So are you just a natural speaker, natural public speaker, or was that something you had to work on? Um, Both. Um, Like when I was a little (laughs) kid, I used to tell great stories to people. My cousin was telling me a couple months ago, uh, she said, you know, you don't remember this, but when you're like three or four years old, when you first really started to have been able to talk well, you would tell us stories and we'd all be sitting around, including your grandparents, listening to your stories, knowing that you made them up. <laughs> that's so, that's terrific. Yeah, so I would just make up a story and just tell it. You know, I made up so many different stories and I do that now to help get the point across to people. But it's a different feeling when you're being paid for it or when you feel like millions of people are going to hear it eventually. Or when it's an audience of people you don't know. So it takes some practice, some training to do that. Make sure you don't get locked into your own mind. No, yeah, to be honest, in my TED talk, I got, I was in my head, which made it one of the worst talks I've ever given. Mm. Because I got so deep in my head trying to remember this quote, trying to remember that, this and that. And I tell people now, if you're going to do a TED talk, Memorize every word of it before you go online, before you do it. Memorize every word. Practice it that way. Because once the cameras get rolling, once the people start applauding you, if you're in your head, you're not going to be that well. So it it took some training for me to learn how to get myself out of my head. So even though I know I, I can be a great speaker, you know, that sounds arrogant, but I can be a good speaker, even though I know that. If I'm in my head, I can't make it happen. It sounds like you are definitely a great speaker. I I love talking on a mic because I don't want to be in front of anybody. I like doing it in the mic. That is my space. I was a DJ in underground radio for years. And I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's so fun. Uh, that was my first job out of college, too. I was stuck in the radio station. So we were a lot of like there. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is fun. Because, you, you know, you're this, you're this voice you know, over the airwaves and people can hear you, but they don't have to look at you. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, can't argue with you. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Good but times no, I, back then. <laughs> It was good times in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, that's one thing, though, that I judge myself, my speaking now. Did I have fun today? That's a really good thing. Did you have fun today? Yeah. If I had fun, that as a rule, 99.9% of the time means the audience enjoyed, enjoyed it. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. One, one thing that I got from a friend of mine who's a, who's a motivational speaker, and she says, and I do this every day. I, I keep a journal, but I have for a long time. But every day I write down something positive that happened that day. Even if it was just the most horrendous day I could think of, I write down something good that happened. Even if it's the most trivial little thing, I try to put something positive down. That, that, that helps. It helps you know, lift the day a little bit. I said, okay, that happened. So it wasn't an 100% bad day. Oh, yeah. And here's something I agree with her with, and I'll share it with you. Okay. I believe that the number one key 
to accomplishing your goals. The number one key, if you do this, it's the <laughs> number one key. It stands out by itself, no doubt. And that's expressing gratitude. Mm-hmm. Expressing gratitude. So just that simple act of writing down that one thing that you're grateful for, you know, for the end of the day, that's mm-hmm. expressing gratitude. That is wonderful. I truly believe that. I try to express gratitude a lot more now as I've got, I think as I've gotten older, I've probably gotten a little smarter. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit for me, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, and I've also learned that, yeah, you know, okay. It's, it, maybe today was a terrible day, but that's okay. I got through and here I'm still alive and I'm here and I'm home and it's warm and okay. You know, it's all right. Yeah. And somebody like you or you and me, especially, I mean, with your podcast, mm-hmm. you have to understand, I'm sure you do, that your podcast, over the next 50 years, people are going to be listening to that. And you are affecting people in a positive way. And that you need to be grateful for. Yes. Yes. I so over that. the next 50 years, how many people are going to listen to your podcast? Well, oddly enough, if you start becoming grateful that, hey, I've, I'm going to affect 10,000 people over the next 50 years. It won't be long before you'd be affecting 10,000 people a year. Because that gratitude opens up the, the gates to let more of it in. I love that. That's great. I love that. I'm gonna, I got to keep that. I got to write that down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. What, what are three healthy habits you do every day? Every morning, get up and I say yes. Okay. As my feet hit the floor, I don't even count that as part of my uh, morning meditation. But I always try to do... Um, my morning meditation is just in three parts okay. to keep it simple. First part, I meditate. Mm-hmm. I get some, I get quiet for 15, 20, 30 minutes, depending. So the harder my day is, I follow my Mahatma Gandhi's rule. The harder the day is, the more time I meditate at the start. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but it's 15, 20, or 30 minutes. Then I do my yoga exercise, 20 minutes. So I'm not a big yoga person. That's hard for me to do, but I know that that stretches my body and helps me breathe. So I do 20 minutes of that. Nice. Then I do my planning for the day. So okay. all in all, on average, it takes an hour for me to run through my morning meditation, my morning routine. I do not believe that they need to be this two, three-hour process. I believe they absolutely have to do a morning ritual to win the day. I, I win my morning, I win the day. I think that's really wise to have some kind of a healthy routine in the morning just to get yourself centered to take on the day. Well, yeah. And if you listen to some experts about this meditation, the reason why you do that first thing in the morning mm-hmm. is because your mind is not overly cluttered with the stuff going on. I was right. talking to a friend of mine and he was saying that, uh, yeah, he does his morning meditation, but he checks his emails first. It's mm. kind of not so good. Yeah. That kind of takes away the purpose of doing the meditation. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, oh, it helps me figure out what I'm going to do that day. He says, no, Meditation should be where, yeah, it's hard to say, but you know, some people teach it where it's a guided meditation, but it's all about just emptying your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guided meditations will help you empty your mind. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you can center and figure out what, so that it, no matter what happens, you have that centering first and your mind in the right space so that when you, when, when there's traffic on the highway, freeway on your way to work or the bus driver is decides to see you at the stop but passes you up anyway you're not going to yell ex- expletives at him yeah <laughs> and, if, and you know and if you do you're going to flip it off real quick and say oops wait a minute exactly 
Exactly. Uh, you, you get it's it's to get put you in the right mindset for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why a lot of runners like to run in the morning for some yeah, absolutely. It, a meditative state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I used to run, you know, all the time in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah. And just because it helps you in a meditative state. The less yeah. it goes through your mind. Well, this is a strange story I'll share with you in your audience. Okay. When my daughter was growing up, you know, sometimes you know how people kind of zone out. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of my uh, one of my mentors said, "Well, when people do that, what they've done is they've drawn a blank, they've zoned out." And I don't want to get too religious with anybody, but he said that that's when God communicates with you because God mm-hmm. com- communicates with you through vibration, not through words. Mm-hmm. So I used to ask my daughter, you know, I said, "So what did God tell you?" And she goes, nothing. She calls it nothing. <laughs> I said, okay. Five, ten minutes later, she'd come back to me and say, Daddy, what about this? Can I? Can we try to do this? This might help. She'd have an idea. That was, you could tell she just needed to translate it. And she'd have, I mean, they were good ideas. It wasn't ideas of, you know, can I get some more candy? You know, was, hey, can we do something, you know, for this? Or Grandma might like this for her birthday coming. It was always something that was uplifting. It would mm. take about four or five minutes to come back with that. But at first, it's always nothing. <laughs> just kind of growing about it. <laughs> that is the way that, that kids do it. They'll first say no, and then they think about it. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the way us we as adults do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's and true. We don't You're want right. To admit, we don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. But I, that's why I say that's part of the reason why that four four mile run is so important mm-hmm. before they make the decision. Because yeah. somewhere along mile two or three, you get out of your head. Yeah. That is really, really good advice. Gee, thank you very, very much for being on the show. This You've given us so much to think about. Goals are really super important and just trying to establish it in a healthy and, and, and effective way is just, there's just so much to, th- to go over and think about. All the information, all your, all your links will be on the website and all your information will be on the website when this when this episode comes out and thank you very much. Well, and I thank you before you, I just want to say thank mm-hmm. you because the work you're doing is strong enough that you're helping runners be better. And that's a really good sign for the world. Cause the better we are physically, the better it is for everybody. Oh, excellent. So even if just 10 people run because of you, that reaches out to close to a million people in the flow of the pond. I call it. No, I, I so, agree. Thank you very much. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Glenn. That was very helpful and motivational into helping us set down some more concrete goals with actual dates of when we're going to reach and maybe not a whole year's worth of goal reaching, maybe something more specific that we can see in the more immediate future. I know myself, I have to be a little bit more concrete about my goals. An idea floating around my head is not a goal. <laughs> Understand that, Martha. You got it. You have to write it down and make it more specific. <laughs> okay. Now, I have been doing very well on my walking. I've been getting out there about 30 miles a week walking, which is, I think, really good. Been doing that. And I'm going to keep that up. I went on a six mile, six and a half mile hike yesterday. I'm going to go on another one tomorrow. I hope a little longer. And it's weird because some days I've been doing my stretching and really 
been been really good about that. Do my, all my stretches and exercises that my my physical therapist has given me. But sometimes I will have my quad muscle in my right leg will be kind of tight, and then other days it won't be at all. Like yesterday during the six and a half mile walk, it was tight almost the whole time. I mean, I walked the six and a half miles. That wasn't a, that was okay, but it was tight the whole time. And today I only got like two miles in because I really wasn't, I only had to go to the store. So it wasn't a big deal. And it, and t- it hasn't been sore at all, all day, <laughs> not at all. So I got some strength training in and I got some, uh, more stretching in and some extra work because I didn't get a whole lot of walking in. So that was kind of nice, but it's just kind of weird how some days it will, be really sore and other days n- not at all. It's just there's no rhyme or reason for it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I, we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get back into it. Hopefully I can get started running soon next month and hopefully the next time I see my physical therapist, she'll give me the go-ahead to run. So cross our fingers for that. All right. So now I have, I speaking of running, I have my beginning running video series up on the uh, Martha Runs of the World YouTube channel. There are three episodes up. They're short. They're only, I think the longest is 10 minutes. I just put the third one up this week. So check it out or check it or tell your friends who want to get started running to check it out. It's just a really short little thing to help you get going. We haven't started running yet because I haven't started running yet. It's just walking and to get the basics down to get you in, get your uh, friends who want to start running to get them into the the habit of walking every week and to hit hills and maybe do a little exercise and that kind of stuff. I will start putting out running videos as soon as I start running next month. But it's kind of cool. Um, I think I'm going to have a, a an episode on hiking and an episode on getting a few more exercises, strength training exercises in there and that kind of thing. So have them check it out if they want to. It's kind of fun. I mean, I'm getting better each time I do it. It's really hard though. Video it. Filming is really hard. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Okay. If you want to become a Patreon patron, you can on the website, martharunsaworld.com. If you want to send me your race report, I don't have any race reports this week, so I can't do Tales of the Trail, but send me your race report at email me at martharunstheworld at gmail.com. Send me the race you did with the date, where it was, how long a distance you ran, and why it was a great race or why it wasn't and I would love to read them on the air and give you credit it would be really fun alright that's it for this week so uh, I will see you next week and until then let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run